This is the Accounting Influencers Podcast with Rob Brown and Martin Bissett. With Rob Brown and Martin Bissett. Hey Rob, quick history lesson for you. Did you know that the first tax records were found etched on ancient clay tablets? Yeah, I've not realised how old you are, Martin, and clay tablets are great though, but they're not exactly compatible with the latest digital tax innovations like making tax digital, are they? No, they're not. People weren't thinking future-proofing back then. But for our listeners, you know, if they're moving clients from similar old-school methods to digital records, there is a famously friendly accounting software solution for the UK's smallest businesses. It's funny you should mention that I was a judge at the recent Digital Accountancy Forum Awards, and that was a collection, Martin, of the great and the good in the accounting world. All the top networks, associations, alliances, some of the biggest vendors there. They were big on awards as well, and uh, it just made me think free agent is who you're talking about, isn't it? And they've won a lot of awards for their integrations and platforms about being really easy to use. And clients can use it on mobile or tablet. And not just the clay kind. Rob, where do accountants and bookkeepers go who really want to accelerate their client's journey to the cloud? What would you recommend they do? I'd recommend they go and get a free trial at freeagent.com forward slash tablet. Because once you get into this, you experience it, you see how easy it is to use. You'll probably be a client for life. Welcome to the show. I'm thrilled to have with me today, Bill Reeb and Tommy Barry. We're thrilled to have you on the show. And for the benefit of people listening that haven't come across either of you, would you both give us a little introduction about your background and what you do right now? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Rob. So I was in public practice for 35 years as a CPA and got to the point where I was ready for a change in my career. I've known Bill and our other partner, Dom, for a number of years. And once I had the opportunity to join them and still stay connected to the profession, but in a much different light, then that's what I've been doing the last couple of years and really, really enjoy the work that we do. Sure. We'll dip into that a little bit more. Bill, what's your background and what do you do right now? Well, right now I make things up for a living. So as you'll hear (laughs) shortly, we consult with firms that will range anywhere from a half a million dollars to hundreds of millions of dollars. We have been written up as one of the top 10 most recommended consulting firms for years. We've got multiple books out that help the profession everywhere from succession to how to be a trusted advisor. And what we tell people is there is nothing that goes on a CPA firm that we're not in the trenches helping them solve. We're not theorists. We actually help firms make all the changes that we'll talk about today. Sure. And Tommy, what kind of shape do you feel the accounting profession is in right now? There's a lot going on, isn't there? Yeah, there is a lot going on domestically and from a global standpoint. And one of the beautiful things about our profession is just its pure resiliency. Whatever is going on around us, we have the ability and have proven that over the years to just reinvent ourselves so that we can remain relevant in the marketplace and we can provide value to our clients, certainly in times like this. Mm. Tommy is on IFAC, which is an international body that works with a global profession. Sure. He's a board member. And when you hear words like reinvent, agility, adaptability, Bill, they're not normally words we associate with accounting folk, are they? Well, we do. Okay. Uh, I can just tell you that there is no profession in the world that is dynamic and diverse as we are. Over half of our profession in the United States, and I think those numbers would prove out globally, are in industry or education or government, and the other half are in public. And when you consider the fact that as an accounting profession, we have every job imaginable from being CEO to being vice president of manufacturing to marketing director, you name it, we've got CPAs, accountants in that role. So how do you get more diverse than doing any job you want under the license of I'm an accountant? Sure, I get that. It's just that the way accountants bill and price and the exams they do, it's been that way for hundreds of years 
So they're not open to changes, one might think. But Tommy, you think they are? Yeah, to some degree, that's what people think of when they think of accountants. Yeah. That's deserved. But I think oftentimes we get a bad rap. We're, mm. We are people people. <laughs> Whether we like to admit it or not, we have to deal with people. And the better you are at that, then the better you're going to be at your profession and provide value for those clients. In this environment that we're in now, we've been hearing over and over from managing partners of firms of all sizes that their partners have been telling them for years, we cannot do that. When in fact, they did that in about 48 hours when all of this hit. For example, working remotely and managing that remote workforce. Bill, at 30,000 feet, how do we improve accountability and close competency gaps and development staff in professional firms? The first thing is, for some reason, accountants believe that we are unique in what we do. We are actually not unique in what we do. We follow the same business protocols that almost any would, and we have differences based on the fact that we're a service business. But we have a lot of similarities to every kind of service business. Right. As we start talking with firms and we start going through how do you become more effective, how do you hold people more accountable, over and over, we just go back to basics of all business. And basics of all business start with accountability. And the, the first beginning point is I need to know who my boss is. Because if I got five people telling me the same thing and I don't have enough time to do it, and I'm being told different things by different people, which one do I listen to and which one do I ignore? And the fact is, if all of our people knew the right person to listen to, wouldn't be a problem. But mm. most of the time, who do you think they listen to? And I'm going to give you two choices, the one that they like the most mm. or the one that they're scared of the most. So bottom line is we have a lot of people trying to do their best job and they have no idea who to listen to. And it creates a lot of developmental issues. It creates a lot of slow development and competency, and it creates a lot of insecurity of people that shouldn't have it. Tommy, firms are complex, especially the larger firms. There's multiple stakeholders, CPAs, accountants, fairness. They're accountable to a lot of people, aren't they? So this idea of having one boss, does that really work? The problem is they're not accountable to anybody oftentimes. A lot of people are well-meaning. They take a shotgun approach, but they're not systematically and targeted developing their people. Lack of development of people is one of the biggest shortcomings that we find in firms, and it doesn't matter what size the firm is. And the fact that they not only don't know who their boss is, but they're not holding anybody accountable to anything is a real issue. And that's something that we can get our teeth into quite frequently, regardless of the size of the firm. You will always have matrix management. I will have 20 bosses on any given day based on what projects I'm on. The question though, is who's responsible for me meeting my goals? Who's responsible for developing me? Who's responsible for ensuring that I am on the right trajectory with my competencies. That is different than what you just said. You just said, hey, how can you do this when you got multiple stakeholders? I know I'm going to be managed by everyone based on the project I work on. But as soon as I have a conflict or I don't know what to do, I know who my boss is to go get it solved. Is it possible to be accountable to different people for different things? For instance, you're accountable to your clients for delivering great service and helping them solve their problem. And so there must be different levels of accountability for different facets of the business. Yeah, I think that's right. That's absolutely right. But at the end of the day, here's where one of the big distinctions is. If Tommy's my boss, which she is, by the way, I think she makes that clear all the time. She has actually named her cat as our CEO to make it clear the job she thinks I do. If I'm his boss, then I should have part of my pay tied to his development. Yeah, I'm accountable to make sure that he's developed. Part of the problem is that I could have three or four people that technically I'm working with on a regular basis, and they all might believe they have some responsibility for me, but no one is being 
paid to make sure I get there, which means that no one makes it their job to make sure I get there. Yeah. Under what Tommy just said, if I'm not performing, it reflects on Tommy. And I can tell you our profession is known for what I call the self-starter. I'll do it on my own, get out of my way. And that works for about 20 to 25% of your workforce and you're throwing away 75%. And those are just bad economics. Yeah. And when we talk about development of people, are you talking specifically technical development or the softer skills? It's a comprehensive approach. It includes the technical development, but there's a lot of different competencies. We, in fact, have a tool that encompasses 15 competencies, and it includes what you referred to as soft skills and just being able to manage not only your time, but other people's having the hard conversations with them. Make You're just a well-rounded professional that's going to be valuable to the firm as you progress throughout your career. Historically, when it comes to competencies, most firms have not had strong models in competence. Historically, my generation was if we had 10 competencies. If I was really good at three, I could be void of seven because what mattered was, were you really good at three? And what we're finding today is that that actually works against a firm because I might be a great business developer, but horrible at leading people. I can't have partners that are half a partner. And so what you end up finding in a lot of firms, is you find the business developer on one side and the technician on the other, and they only come together as a whole accountant when they work hand in hand. And we cannot afford to do that. We have to make holistically better people across technical and soft skills. So we know accountants are super smart. They pass very difficult exams and qualifications, but how coachable are they as a breed? Most people are coachable. It's just a matter of how much stomach they have to be coached. And if they're not wanting to be coached, then they're going to be left behind by those that are on the upward track at a much steeper climb. Uh-huh. Which is one of the reasons why we simultaneously in all of this tie people's goals to performance. So if I have a partner or a manager that says, I'm not going to fill the role. First off, everybody is not a developmental coach. Um, everyone doesn't have that responsibility. But if and, and so out of the people we have, we ask who wants to do it of the people that are best suited for it. If you are a developmental coach and you don't want to do the job, we will fire you as a developmental coach. You do not have a choice once you've accepted the job. You will either live up to the expectations of developmental coach or we will replace you. It is too important of a job. You don't just get to say, I wanted the time but I don't want to do the job. Is it possible to rise up in a professional firm without having coaching capabilities? Because as a leader, as a manager, you then naturally come into contact with people and you've got to develop them and bring your team through, haven't you? You know, some of these competencies are more are in people's DNA more than others of them are. So they right. have an easier time with some of them. But I still think that you've got to have a touch of all of them. You may be better at some than others, but I don't think you could ignore too many of them, quite frankly. Yeah. And I'll go a step further, Rob. The fact is most accountants do not know how to manage people. Most accountants learned from other accountants that did not know how to manage people. They simply bark orders and walk away and hope they get it done. They mm-hmm. expect their people to be self-directed and self-motivated. And the point is, part of what we need to do is get better. What worked for us 25 years ago isn't working for us now. And that means that even people that have been leaders for 10 years may not be doing it very well. I agree with that. And here at the Business Development Academy, we train accountants and CPAs to win work. And we say here, our methodology is a little simpler than yours in terms of competencies. But we said the modern day accountant has five core skills. The first is technical skills, which gets you in the game. The second is technological skills. You've got to know your way around the apps and the software and the tech, which is more than turning a computer on and off because you've got to advise clients on that. Beyond that is people skills, which you would wrap all your leadership and management and coaching into that. Then you've got commercial acumen 
acumen, that business acumen, the ability to think like an entrepreneur, to speak into the business's problems. And then finally, it's selling skills, not just selling products and services, but selling yourself and your ideas and your vision. So is that a decent enough framework to say, right, if we develop people along those lines, we're going to do okay? That's a skinny down approach. And I think it covers a lot of them. One of the statistics that came to mind, Rob, as you were talking with regard to technical and other skills, I think it's Kuzis and Posner in their book talks about of the people that are promoted 70% of the time, it's because of their technical skills. Right. But of those that fail, 80% of the time is because they don't have the people skills. So they can't operate in a vacuum. They can't operate in a silo. They have to be working together. So when you go into a professional firm with a view to developing their people, you must hit culture problems. For sure. And a lot of people look at it from the standpoint of, I don't have time to develop my people. When in yeah. fact, that's you have to make the time to develop your people. I get that a lot, Tommy, with business development. I don't have time to win business. I'm churning out fees and I'm looking after my own clients and I haven't got time to go out and bring in new business. So you're hitting against, is that culture? Is that personal preference? What is that? Personal preference. Most accountants work beneath their level. They want to be paid for the higher level, but they want to do the job that was easy for them at the lower level. And with every promotion, you take on the agreement that you will develop new skills. Well, if I got more work than I can possibly do, I can easily work down level and be productive and I can do billing. The simple fact is we make money through leverage. We make money by passing work down. And what you just heard was, I don't want to pass the work down. I want to do what's easy and I don't want to do my job, which is what you're outlining I need to do. So by the way, let me hide behind. I just don't have time. No, you just are doing the wrong thing with your time. When we focus with firms, we often put more emphasis, not on billable time, but how they're spending their non-billable time and set goals proportionately to make sure that we're directing them on what they do with that excess time. Personal preferences do become the culture. If you get enough of that and enough traction, I think it does become the culture, Rob. Yeah. And when you work with firms, do you set hard goals, KPIs? You talk about goals, but are these objectives with numbers on them or are these more intangible? The higher you go in a firm, the more they are subjective. The lower you are in a firm, the more they are objective. If you tie a partner level person to all objective goals, that person will manipulate the system all day long to meet numbers and get paid, but it won't do good for the firm. When you're at a high level, it's about tying strategy that you've agreed to back to change management. And so for one partner who is unwilling to delegate, that could be a big function for them goal-wise this coming year. Once we get them to where they've developed a habit of delegating, I'm not going to pay them for delegating the rest of their life. They should have been doing that as part of their job. I'm going to focus my compensation on strategically tying them to the strategy changes we've said we need to make. And if they don't make it, I'm going to put money where our mouth is. And if they don't do it again the next year, I'm going to double that money. And if they don't do it the next year, I'm going to fire them because they will not do their job. And they are trying to get paid at a job much bigger than what they're willing to step in. Tommy, what are are managing partners of CPA firms responsible for? They're responsible for implementing and executing the strategy of the firm that the board altogether sets. They're also responsible for setting the goals of the partners and holding them accountable to those goals and making sure that the compensation system is tied into those goals and whether or not they reach those goals. Those are a few things that they're responsible for. And let's step back a little bit. Bill, can you give me a definition of the word accountability? I know you're big on this and people get that it's answering to someone 
someone or something in some way, but just wrap a little bit of meat around that for us. Where accountability starts to me is that the minute I know what's expected of then it is now my job to live up to that expectation. Accountability means I can have every single person who works for me know exactly what I expect of them and know what it means to do a good job and be able to go home at the end of every day and say, I did a good job. I don't have to wait for someone to tell me because it's been very made very clear to me what's expected of me. And I know that I'm living up to that. Mm -hmm. Accountability isn't the fact that I can catch you doing something wrong. It's not the fact that I want to beat you for doing something wrong. It's not the idea that I get to disrespect you because I have a higher position. It is about allowing the person that's showing up to work enough information that they can drive themselves to that performance that's expected. And if they don't achieve it, have enough feedback along the way for someone to say, you're not making it. We agreed that you'd be here. You're here. Here's what I want to see you change. But Tommy, that seems so straightforward. How can firms get that wrong? The way I would describe accountability is just simply doing what you said that you would do. Doing what you have agreed and said that you would do. It's that simple, really. But you ask a question, Rob, why is that a problem? Because we have cultures that say, you go do your own thing. You self-motivate, we trust you. Well, that works when there's three of us. It works when there's 10 of us. But as you get bigger and bigger, bigger, I need to take all that energy and not let it go like this, where everybody's busting their butt and we're not going anywhere because we get halfway done with everything. And I need to focus that energy on the things that are the most important to us so that we can bring it together for the greatest change. It is a problem too, because if people don't do what they said they were going to do, that's more work on the people that are trying to hold them accountable. And people would just assume, shove it under the rug oftentimes and and go on about their merry way without having to deal with that. And I'm guessing in these crazy times we're in with the pandemic, it's harder to hold people accountable if they're working remotely, working from home, which is why you need these structures, these KPIs in place, however we're going to call it. Yeah, that's right. It takes effort when you see each other every day walking down the hallway, but it takes a lot more effort when you have to check in remotely. People confuse the difference between what we call in this developmental coaching versus HR, because you can talk to anyone that is going to go through their human resource evaluation period. And whoever has got to evaluate their employees, the first thing they do is make a big sigh. Oh God, I got to do evaluations. And then they roll their eyes and then they say, I really haven't been paying attention to them. So I'm now not even sure. And now I need to, in the next week, come up with a year's worth of evaluation. Developmental coaching is about a constant interaction based on where you are and where your goals are. It is not about writing everything to a file. It is, if Tommy's my boss, it is her job to make me better. And if she can't make me better, then she needs to get me out. But it's her job. So now there are two of us working for the same goal. It's my job to make me better. And it's her job to make me better. And we know exactly where to go when there's a problem. Because in the typical firm, all the focus is on me. Why I didn't get there. Why I'm not making it. Why I might not be getting there because I got four different people telling me four different things and I'm doing the best I can to try to wade through that. Under this model, I know to go to Tommy, it's Tommy's issue. You need to fix Bill and here's where he needs to be and here's where he needs to go. All of us end up better off. Got it. So in the larger firms particularly, what do you feel are the major challenges that they're facing right now? I think all firms are facing the challenge of not developing their people properly and not monitoring them properly. Handing things off just to get it off of their plate and then the person that they're handing it off to may or may not have the skills or the requisite knowledge to do it. They don't get monitored and then they turn that work back in and it's a mess. So how does that manifest itself then? Is is that profitability? The firm's not competitive? It's not growing fast enough and hitting revenue targets? How does that come out? 
think it's a combination of things. As far as profitability, a lot of times people will say, it takes me less time, I can do it faster and better if I do it myself, rather than taking more time to train someone else to do it. Yeah. It's a short-term gratification instead of a long-term strategy for them. It's an easy way out, I think. Yeah. And you know what suffers the most? We are efficient, but we're not effective. We put all of our energy in the now, and we don't put it in the holistic success of our firm. We don't achieve strategy. We just simply inch along repeating what we're doing. We have people that load up all their work and then they have no more time and they don't delegate and they don't have anybody trained. So they create bigger and bigger competency gaps, which makes it almost impossible for them to pass work down. We simply get in a mode that makes us more and more likely to work harder, to make the same amount of money, to constantly underutilize our lowest level people because we can't push work down to them because we can't train them and allow us to hide behind our jobs and work at least a level or two below what we're being paid, which ultimately ends up in stagnation of a firm's organic growth because people aren't doing their job. Mm. What kind of things are coming up for professional firms over the next six, 12 months? Well, I think there's going to be continual having to deal with the technology. Bill has said, and I agree with him, that this whole pandemic has moved us forward probably five years, if not more, as far as technology goes, just from the sheer necessity of, of having to do that. Yeah. Some firms are more nimble than others in trying to embrace that technology. And those that don't are going to have even more challenges, I think. Talent continues to be an issue. We're restructuring the exam in the U.S. to try and have at least a broader umbrella with people having broader skills. Uh, look, a lot of firms aren't even hiring CPAs as their primary go-to hires because they need broader skill sets than that. Well, we certainly added to the base of counting, auditing, tax, and now tech. We expect every CPA coming through to have a tech background, no different than we expected them to have the other components. I think our profession is trying to step back and say, if you look at where we are, we have historically been in the data to information space. We take raw data and we put it out as a tax return or an audit or a financial statement. But as a profession, we need to move to the knowledge and decision space because the data to information space will be taken over by either technology or outsourcing globally. Because at 25 cents on the dollar of what we pay in the US, and I know the economics aren't much different in the UK, you cannot afford to build a business when somebody can undercut you and make money coming in at 25 cents on the dollar. Yeah. So the information space will go away to AI and technology and globalization, which says if we're going to survive, we got to get smarter, got to spend our time at higher levels and higher functions. And by the way, this is no different for a CPA or an accountant in public than it is for an accountant in industry. You take an accountant in industry that basically just says my job is to get out the monthly financial statements, they will be replaced. It yeah. is no longer that kind of job. And you're talking here about the downgrade and the devalue and the commoditization, if you like, of compliance work, which is easily automated. And we need to be elevating CPAs to that level of trusted advisor where it goes beyond the data. Exactly right. And now more than ever, given where we are now, people are going to emerge from this pandemic in all sorts of shapes. Mm. They may have very little financial resources left. Their model may, may be completely wrong post-COVID than pre-COVID. So it's incumbent upon the CPA profession to be in front of their clients on a regular basis, talking about all aspects of their business, not just the debits and the credits, but the strategy, the value of what's going on in their industry and how can you best position yourself or help your client get positioned to move forward at a 
at a much higher level and a much healthier level than they otherwise could be. Yeah, this has been great. I've learned so much already. We're coming to the end of it now. Bill, if people want to reach out to you and have some conversations with you two about the kind of things you could do for them, what's a good way for them to reach you? Well, the best way is they can go to our website at successioninstitute.com. And uh, you can look up either one of our names. It'll tie us quickly back to, to the website. And tell me, what kind of challenges do firms acknowledge that they're having by the time they pick up the phone to you and talk about help? Usually there's some sort of partner conflict. <laughs> Right. Those are the best ones to get involved in. <laughs> and honestly, they'll they'll often say, we're fighting about X. We're fighting about compensation. And by the time we get in there and get to the root of the matter, that's just a symptom. It's not the root cause. So yeah. just recognizing that they need help and then allowing us to come in and help them find out what they need help with. That's our bread and butter. That's our sweet spot. Yeah, sure. This has been terrific. Would you uh, both leave us with a, a bit of advice for the accountants, the CPAs listening, the individuals? and they might be leaders, they might be at the top of the tree, but what would you say to them about developing themselves and developing their people to cope with what's coming up over the next year or two? Yeah, I would just say, don't settle. I mean, recognize that you are part of the greatest profession there is. There's more versatility in what we can do with our licenses and we can always shift or pivot and maintain our value and relevance. You know, one of the things that people get scared about is we've been paying lip service to the idea that we're going to be trusted advisors and we've been paying and lip service to the fact that we know we need to make certain strategic changes and internal changes, but we've been so successful. Why do it? Why do anything when you're making more money than you ever thought you would? What the pandemic is showing, what technology is doing, what globalization is doing is it's forcing people to recognize that it's time to change. And here's the good news and where I'd like to, to leave everybody thinking. Nobody's in a box at this point. Nobody's been left out. If you start to make change, then two or three years from now, there'll be a big difference in the way your firm operates and you'll still be there ahead of the curve. But if you don't do anything and you say, well, Bill, I make so much money, I just simply think you're wrong. It's not a big deal. Then they're going to feel like Thelma and Louise. And I know that's a reference a lot of people won't get, but they're going to be driving along thinking they got a long road ahead and there is a cliff and they're going to wake up and say, what happened to me? And the point is, we're telling you, this is what the world looks like. There are all kinds of signs proving this is what the world looks like. But if you don't want to see it and you want to pretend like I can just do what I've always done and I'll be okay. You're going to find a cliff and you're going to say, how did that happen? And I'm just telling you, it's because you're ignoring looking at the road ahead. Yeah. And you can't help but think that in some accounting firms, there's a certain arrogance, a certain complacency. We have a great business model. We have recurring fees. People need us to stay out of jail. That can inhibit the change you're talking about, can't it? And people have the misconception that what got them here is going to keep them going and it yeah. just won't happen. As the firm gets bigger, they have to change. Yeah. Interestingly enough, firms have changed a great deal. If you look at the services we offered as a profession 10 years ago and the services we offer today, they are so much more expanded and so much more diverse. But we always look back and go, yeah, we're doing the same thing we've always done. <laughs> no, they've been changing and they're going to have to continue to change. It's just yeah. that simple. That's a really great point to finish. Bill Reed, Tommy Barry, that's been terrific. Thank you so much for your insights and your passion today. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Rob. This is the Accounting Influencers Podcast with Rob Brown and Martin Bissett. Martin, the Countex just gets bigger and bigger, doesn't it? It does. It does. And it's the biggest, I'd say biggest show in Europe. And I'm thinking maybe the biggest show in the world. What we know for sure is the one-stop shop for digital and in-person events. With the following it's built over the years, Accountex packed a punch that's 
with events that are dedicated to both the accounting and finance professionals. Yeah, and it's all CPD accredited as well. They've got a virtual summit coming up 10th, 11th of November, which is free to attend. And they've got some interesting topics coming up there, haven't they? Digital assets, social mobility, future of cloud accounting, commercializing opportunities for NTD, penalty reform, not your normal lineup. Yeah, and it's all ramping up to the big event they've got going on in London at the Excel Arena. It's the largest in Europe. And if you want your CPD points, if you want to find out what's happening, don't forget to book that in your diary for the 11th and 12th of May. And there's a website they can go to, Martin. Yeah, accountex.co.uk or indeed follow them on Twitter at at accountex. That's at accountex.